afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the fifth episode of the podcast. Thank you for coming back. My name is Ali, and I'm your host, and I invite you to sit in psych for a while. As always, please make sure you're following us on social media, Facebook and Twitter. And if you have any questions or topics you would like me to address on the podcast, you can email me directly, or you can also reach out on those platforms as well. And make sure you're subscribed, that way you don't miss any news or information regarding future episodes. Today, we'll be talking about something a little different. Uh, Lately, I've been talking about mental health issues, and today I'm going to be talking about psychosocial development, cognitive development, and moral development uh, by different theorists in the field of psychology over the past several decades. In terms of the psychosocial development, we'll talk about Sigmund Freud and Eric Erikson for cognitive development. We'll look at Jean Piaget, La Vygotsky, and for moral development, we'll look at Lawrence Kohlberg. And just a disclaimer regarding those theorists. Now, in terms of theories that developed early on, there were always a lot of different criticisms regarding those theories and how they could have been improved or things that could have been seen as shortfalls in the theories development. But I think the reason I'm really choosing these certain theorists today is because they inspired a lot of progress in the later theories and developments that pursued in that field and as well as created the foothold for other theorists to further develop their work because with these theories there's always more room for improvement in regards to developing these theories further and have a better understanding of the underlying factors in human development so again accuracy of the findings may not be 100% correct but I think they provided a lot of different information that we still use today or is to some degree true and applicable to today's theories in regards to development in the psychosocial, cognitive, and moral development of individuals. And after I discuss each theory, I'll do my best to briefly talk about the different shortfalls of each study and the different things that weren't taken into consideration when they were developed. So without further ado, let's get started with the episode. Hope you enjoy the show. Freud's work focused mainly on the psychoanalysis of the human psyche and our personality and how that plays a role in our development. He had three different structures of the psyche, which were the id, the ego, and the superego, where the id was the pleasure principle, the most primitive part of our personality from you know birth to infancy. The ego was the reality principle, and the superego was our conscience, and those different levels of the psyche operate at different 
levels of our consciousness, where the it is the unconscious, where the ego was merely in the conscious level, and the superego kind of operated between the, the conscious and the unconscious part of our psyche. So looking further at what he thought were the main factors in the development of an individual, his developmental stages were more psychosexual than psychosocial in that he believed there were five main stages that an individual had to progress through and complete certain tasks in order to progress into the next stage. And if an individual was unable to reach certain tasks in those stages, it would result in a fixation or an arrested development. Going into his stages, the first one was the oral stage, which he considered to be a part of the id psyche. And the oral stage is between ages of 0 to 1, where there is a dependence on feeding from the mother. And he believed that there had to be a weaning process from that stage, where maybe it's a pacifier or breastfeeding that was a part of the child's life. And if the child was unable to wean off that dependence, a fixation would occur at this stage and he believed that this would cause later issues with dependency or aggression and the oral fixation can result in issues such as smoking, eating, or things that would relate to the mouth. Because at that age the mouth is the source of pleasure for that infant or that baby that it would carry on later into their life. The next stage was the anal stage, another stage that belonged to the id part of the psyche. And this is between the ages of 1 to 3, where the child is learning to control their bladder and their bowel movements. And a major challenge is toilet training in this stage of development. And successful progress in this stage leads to you know a sense of achievement and independence and it's really how the child is perceptive to how they're progressing in this stage that allows them to become more creative become more productive and confident in their own decisions later in life so if the child is not successful in this stage or is experiencing a lot of challenges in this stage or is receiving punishment from the parents or feels a sense of shame for not being able to control or have positive progress in this stage of their development. Freud believed that this could result into two things where they can develop either an anal expulsive personality or an anal retentive personality. An anal expulsive personality would be someone who is more aggressive or wasteful, messy maybe, a more destructive personality in that regards, or an anal retentive personality where the individual is more uh, orderly, rigid, uh, maybe not a lot of flexibility in their thinking, or they're more stringent and obsessive later in life. The next stage is the phallic stage, which takes place between 3 to 6 years of age. 
and this is where Freud believed that the main focus of the libido was on the genitals and at this age is when children are starting to understand the differences between males and females and they start to identify maybe more with the same-sex parent but initially they are craving attention from the opposite-sex parent and again still this is in the id structure of the psyche in Freud's structure of personality the next stage which occurs at the age of six into puberty is the latency stage and this is more into the superego structure of the psyche and this is where the child is focusing more on social relationships communications and they're starting to develop their personal identity which is maybe their hobbies their likes and dislikes and starting to put together who they are and he believed that this is a key period of the growth of the self-esteem confidence and social skills and with the development of the ego and the superego the id is becoming more suppressed and the instinctive and primitive urges are being more repressed as the child grows older and as with the other stages Freud also believed that a child can become fixated or stuck in this stage as well where later in life it can lead to immaturity or just an overall inability to form healthy relationships with others as an adult. The next stage is the genital stage and this one takes place from puberty onwards to late adulthood and this is where the libido is active again and is gradually developing uh, which was before dormant in that latency stage from before and this is where the individual starts to grow outside of themselves and start to branch out into different parts of their life and try to maintain a, some sort of balance in those parts of their life it would be at this point that the the ego and superego are fully developed and the primitive instincts or needs of the id are in check and uh, the ego and superego are keeping them in balance as well now looking at the criticisms of freud's theories we have to really be aware that these theories were developed in the you know late 1800s to early 1900s so i think it was 1905 when he started to develop these theories and at that time it had to be very controversial and um, very out of the box in terms of his thinking and a lot of the theories he developed were very psychosexual and they couldn't really be tested scientifically and as well as his concepts and theories being based on case studies of adult patients he was working with or not based on children that he observed or studied additionally the time between a childhood experience and adulthood is too long and too vague to really pinpoint a cause and effect of how one stage in an infant's development can have such a strong effect on their adult life so there could be different variables that take place that play a role in their development 
The next theorist that looked into the psychosocial development of individuals was Eric Erickson, and uh, he developed more integral and succeeding stages, again, each with their own accomplishments, but there are eight instead of five. The first stage is the trust versus mistrust stage, and this occurs between zero to one years of age, and this is where trust is developed, because if the needs of the infant are fulfilled, that dependence on someone else is allowing them to develop a sense of trust in people around them, as opposed to if their needs are not fulfilled or they're fulfilled but inconsistently, then they can begin to develop a sense of mistrust or they can feel that there is an unpredictability or their view of the world is unpredictable and maybe they can develop a sense of fear. The next stage is the autonomy versus shame and doubt, which occurs during two to three years of age. And this is where the independence and control or the choice starts to develop, where the toddler is taking more chances, going outside of their comfort zone, going outside of what they feel is secure. And this helps the toddler develop that autonomy and independence as opposed to developing a sense of shame or doubt in the choices they make and being maybe less confident in going outside of their comfort zone. And again, this ties back to a little bit about what Freud was talking about in that toilet training stage where the different view of how a toddler's toilet training is received by the parent can have a effect on their ability to develop a sense of independence where if they're reinforced and rewarded for positive progress as opposed to punished for lack of progress this can result in a sense of shame and doubt versus a sense of accomplishment or autonomy the next stage is the initiative versus guilt which takes place between approximately four to six years of age and this is where a sense of assertiveness a sense of control starts to develop and that results in the individual having a sense of power maybe confidence versus uh, self-doubt or feelings of guilt and this is kind of where you'll see shy kids versus more dominant kids in interaction the next stage is the industry versus inferiority which takes place between about 7 to 12 years of age you know late childhood and this is where a feeling of accomplishment and pride from maybe social comparisons or outside sources starts to take place or become a major role in the perception of the child's accomplishments of their own and if they have that feeling of accomplishment or pride it motivates them to go further as opposed to if they feel inferior or they feel that they are not on par with other kids around them that this can be again that feeling of inferiority or guilt or shame or doubt and low confidence in about 13 to 19 years of age you know during the adolescent stage is the identity versus role confusion Again, this is where sense of self, independence, and control through the encouragement and reinforcement of 
outside stimuli can be a very important part of the development of identity. Things that can cause that role confusion would be the uncertainty or feelings of insecurity in maybe social situations or understanding who the individual is as a person. And it's where the ego starts to develop. It's where someone is starting to figure out how they fit in the world. New experiences and interactions are constantly adding to their understanding of their identity. And it's something that endures through their lifetime. The next stage is the intimacy versus isolation, which takes place between about 20 to 34 years during the young adulthood stage. And this is where personal relationships uh, start to develop. There is a sense of security and strength of relationships. And as with Freud's stages, previous stages play a role in the next stage. So if the individual is not developing in this stage or previous stages can result in either or both physical and emotional isolation and maybe relationships that aren't as strong. The next stage is the generativity versus stagnation stage, which is uh, about 35 to 65 years of age, middle adulthood. And this is where the individual is maybe feeling like they're continuing to develop and improve their life. There's a feeling of inactivity and constant improvement as opposed to feelings of unproductiveness or maybe they feel like they have halted in their development or their improvement of their life and have come to that stagnation or lack of progress in their life. And the last stage is the ego integrity versus despair which occurs in 66 years or older in late adulthood. And this is where the individual can either look back with pride or they can look back with regret, feeling like their life was satisfactory and they've made good decisions or they've made decisions that they've learned from and they've been able to make improvements going further or they feel like they wasted time in their life. And that brings about that feeling of despair as opposed to that feeling of integrity and maybe satisfaction with life. While Erickson's theory was better received, it still had its shortfalls and not going into great depth about how or what type of experiences are necessary for an individual to successfully pass through each stage or what kind of uh, conflict resolution had to take place for the individual to move on to the next stage. But it did have the strength that other theories before did not where it took into consideration the social aspect of development and how relationships or people around the individual have a great influence on their development. So looking at cognitive development, the first theorist we'll look at is Lev Vygotsky and his theories were developed in the 1970s and he came up with the idea of zone of proximal development where it's a continuum or spectrum where, where tasks that were completed independently were on the lower end of the spectrum of the zone of proximal development, ZPD for short, versus tasks where assistance was required to complete were on the higher 
and the ZPD. And then he also came up with the idea of scaffolding, adjustment of support or readjustment of support along the continuum is needed for that task to be completed by the developing child. It's similar to how when a child is learning how to ride a bike, in the beginning maybe there are training wheels to prevent them from falling, and maybe moving towards the middle of the spectrum, maybe the training wheels have been taken off and the individual is being supported by someone else so they don't fall, and eventually on the lower end of the spectrum, they can ride the bike on their own without the need of any assistance. The next theorist is Jean Piaget, and he developed this theory in 1936 for cognitive development, and he believed that stages were completed through maturation and experience. The ability to grasp different ideas or concepts such as time, quantity, cause and effect, and abstract ideas were developed over time. His first stage is the sensory motor stage, which takes place between 0 to 2 years of age. And the main achievement of that age is the grasping of the concept of object permanence, which is really understanding that when an object disappears or is hidden, it still exists. And it indicates that the child has the ability to create a mental representation of that object in their mind that it didn't simply disappear or is no longer existing but is just hidden for the time being. The next stage is the pre-operational stage which takes place between the ages of two to seven years and this is where egocentrism develops which means the individual is thinking of things relative to themselves and they still have a difficult time being able to understand perspectives uh, of others. The next stage is the concrete operation stage, which takes place between 7 to 12 years of age. And Piaget believed that this was a key point in the cognitive development of a child because they were beginning to be able to solve problems internally. They begin to grasp an understanding of how numbers work, that there are amounts of things, there's time, uh, weight, and volume. They can understand that if a liquid is poured into one container and then it is poured into a different container, while the shape can shift of that liquid, it's still the same amount. And for PJ, this was a key point in the cognitive development of a child. The last stage was the formal operations stage, which takes place at year 12 approximately onwards. So this is where the child begins to grasp an understanding of abstract thoughts. So they can understand abstract concepts like love, values, identities, which are more abstract and not necessarily physical or definitive in their meaning. They also begin to develop the ability to test different ideas out and explore the meaning of them and understand if something is true or false or right or wrong. Piaget also believed that assimilation and accommodation were two main important factors of adaptation, which is the adjustment to different experiences and things we learned in life. 
A simulation is the incorporation of different knowledge or perceptions into already existing structures, as opposed to accommodation where you're learning something new and you're having to either change or create a whole new structure to accommodate that new information. So for example, if you've been doing something a certain way and you learn something new that can improve this or procedure, you assimilate that new knowledge and it helps you in completing that task. As opposed to accommodation where you're learning a completely new process to do that task and this process is called equilibration. Now, looking at the shortfalls of PJ's theories, a lot of theorists felt that the social aspect was missing from a lot of the developmental stages he came up with mainly because the develop mainly because the social aspect plays a huge role in a developing child's experiences and their learning from all that happens around them and additionally the the ways that PJ conducted his studies left a lot of room for biases and when there is bias in a study it gets in the way of the accuracy of that study and how well it can be applied to a general population. For moral development we'll look at the theorist of Lawrence Kohlberg who developed his theories based on the Heinz dilemma in 1958 which had the premise of a man whose wife was dying of a cancer and there was a new drug that was discovered by a chemist charging a lot of money. There was no way that Heinz could afford it even after he asked help from family and friends and he tried to reason with the chemist and maybe see if he can pay him later but the chemist refused. So the man desperate to save his wife, stole the medication from the chemist. Kohlberg then asked his participants a series of questions and Kohlberg saw how individuals answered this question as a indication of their development in regards to their morals at different ages of their life. And based on their answers, he developed three levels of moral development each level having two different stages. The first level, pre-conventional morality, was most nine-year-olds or younger, somewhere a little bit over nine years. And the first stage was obedience and punishment orientation, which is essentially to avoid punishment, one must be good. The second stage was individualism and exchange, which is an understanding that there is more than one right viewpoint. The second level, conventional morality, is for most adolescents and adults. It's where we begin to develop our own sense of morals and standards that are valued by others that are older than us. And authority is a big factor, but it's not really questioned. It's kind of just accepted. So. Stage three, which would be the first stage in that level, is good interpersonal relationships, which is being good so you can be seen as good by others. And the second stage in that level, or stage four overall, is maintaining social order. So mainly just being in line with societal norms, rules, and laws. The last level is the post-conventional level of morality. And it's where an individual begins to develop their own chosen principles and moral reasonings 
and it's based on their rights and their opinions of justice. And Kohlberg only felt that, and Kohlberg only felt that 10 to 15 percent of people are capable of reaching this stage of morality. And there are two stages in this level. The first one is social contract, which implying that sometimes issues are not necessarily clear cut, and there may be situations in which the individual's interests supersede or are higher than societal norms, are more important than societal norms. And the last stage in the overall development is the universal principles, which implies that a person's moral guidelines may or may not fit the law or society's rules or laws, and that person is willing to face consequences to defend their beliefs. So this could be human rights, justice, or equality. And this would be people that have been prominent figures in history who have stood up to inequality and discrimination and have gone to great lengths to defend their beliefs regardless of the consequences that they faced or could potentially face. Now, looking at the way that Kohlberg conducted his study, there are some shortfalls that affect the validity and the truth or accuracy to his findings. One of the shortfalls is the way he conducted his study. The sample he used was all male, and that affects the overall validity of his study. Additionally, he looked at justice as being the utmost highest regard of moral development, and that may not necessarily be true. And the Heinz dilemma itself is artificial in that it didn't necessarily apply to the subjects that Kohlberg tested. Some of them, or all of them, have never been married and have not really been put in that situation themselves, or the answers they gave were pretty hypothetical. It's different from the actual action and the consequences it may have itself. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we come to the end of the fifth episode. Thank you so much for stopping by and thank you for listening. If you have any questions or topics you would like me to address in future episodes, please email me directly or you can reach out to me via social media. And make sure that you're following to get the latest updates on episodes and release dates. Thank you again for stopping by. I hope you enjoyed the show and a different episode we had today. As always, I'll see you next time.